just love singing praises to Jesus. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. And it came to pass that when the children of Israel had crossed Jordan into Canaan, they encamped in Gilgal, and they kept the Passover in the plains of Jericho. And the next day after the Passover, they ate of the old corn of the land, unleavened cakes and parched corn. Oh, Ahab, I'm so happy. Ever since I was a child, I've dreamed of the beautiful land of Canaan. The trees, flowers, and a real home again. I'm not so certain we deserve such a wonderful land, Sharon. The people of Israel have lost their faith many, many times in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Oh, but they've prayed for forgiveness for their sins. Oh, that is true, but all... Father! Father! We can't find any! Nahum, Shebna, what is it, my children? What can't you find? The manna! The manna! There just isn't any! There's no longer any need for manna, children. But we need it for our meals! Come, children. Sit here beside your mother and me, and we'll explain. Now, that's it. Now, do you know what manna is? It's as white as snow, and it tastes like wafers. Wafers made out of honey. Your father means, do you know where it comes from? We gather it from the ground around us. But it doesn't grow there. I know. God put it there for us. That's right. Every day for the past 40 years, except on the Sabbath, this precious bread has rained out of heaven for the people of Israel to eat. But there is none today, and today is not the Sabbath. That's true. But now the people of Israel have come to the end of their long journey, and there's no longer any need for manna. Here in the new land of Canaan, there's plenty of food and fruits of many kinds. The people of Israel should be very thankful. I think we are. One way we have expressed our thanks to the Lord is through keeping the Passover. We kept the Passover two nights ago. You're right, Shebna. Now, the original Passover came about 40 years ago, when your grandmothers and grandfathers were preparing to leave Egypt. The Lord had told Moses that he was going to slay the firstborn throughout all the land so that the Pharaoh would let our people go. So Moses instructed our people to sacrifice lambs, one for every household. And the blood of the lambs was spread on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of our houses. In that way, the angel of the Lord knew which houses belonged to us and which houses belonged to the Egyptians. That night, all the firstborn of man and beast in Egypt were killed, except in our houses, which the Lord passed over. And while the people of Israel expressed their joy at having arrived in Canaan, Joshua was overcome by a feeling of uncertainty. Joshua! Joshua! Who is it? It's Joram! Ah, Joram, my trusted lieutenant. Yes, come here, Joram. I, I'm concerned about you, Joshua. Oh? You've been keeping to yourself the past few days while everyone else has been rejoicing. <sighs> Is something troubling you? Well, I might have known I couldn't hide anything from you. As honored as I am to have been selected to replace Moses as the leader of Israel, to be frank, I'm frightened by the responsibility. There's no need to be afraid. Even Moses faced many trying situations. The Lord will guide you. Yes, Joram, but... 
Just how can we capture Jericho? Well, there are many thousands in the army of Israel. I'm certain that we can win. Our spies reported that Jericho is strong and well defended. Even from here, you can see the soldiers on its mighty walls. As for our number, you forget that we lack experience in the art of war. We defeated Sion, Og, and Arad. That's true. But we've never before attempted to storm a strong fortress like Jericho. No, Joram, I'm at a complete loss to decide on a definite course of action. I need to go out alone and seek guidance from the Lord. O Lord, if thou wilt only give me the wisdom to lead the people of Israel against the Canaanites and regain the land of our ancestors. And it came to pass when Joshua was praying that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua said unto him, Are you on the side of the people of Israel, or on the side of our enemies? Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and did worship the Lord. And he said unto the angel, Angel, I know not how to capture this city of Jericho. The Lord hath given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof. Ye shall circle the city once each day for six days, and the seventh day ye shall circle the city seven times. And seven priests shall blow before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and it shall come to pass that when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall make a great shout, and the walls of the city shall fall down. And Joshua returned to the camp of Israel, greatly encouraged. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. i 
Everyone prays. I don't. You don't pray? Well, I try, but I don't know what to say. I mean, you're supposed to talk to the creator of the entire universe, the God who made everything. Why would he be interested in little old me? I used to think the very same thing, but then I remembered something. What? He also made me. So I figure if he went through all the trouble of giving me my silly nose and these totally strange ears, he should at least listen when I complain about them. <laughs> and your knees. You've got the craziest knees. Thank you. I get the picture. So you figure that God listens to you because of the way you look? I figure God listens to me because I'm different from everyone else in the world. I'm special, unique. If he took the time to make me the way I am, he must be interested in what I do and what I think. Because what I do and what I think is special, too. Okay, I get it. When you talk to God, you know he hears you because your prayer is different from anyone else. Just like you're different from anyone else, right? Yeah, that's right. My words are special to him. At least, that's what I like to think. You know, there are special things about me, too. I've got red hair, and my mouth is kind of crooked. God would recognize you anywhere. Cool. The next time I pray, I'll know he's listening because he made me special. Don't forget your elbow. It's totally strange. Got it. And your left eyebrow. What's up with that? Can we talk about something else now? Jesus wants to be our friend. He's interested in everything we do and longs to be included in our lives. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Chapter 9, Bear Attack. The sun rose the next morning with a wonderful show of pink and gold above the treetops. Now ain't that pretty? Won't be long until it warms you up, Jake commented as they huddled around the fire and ate an early breakfast. Jeff's got the raft packed, all except the breakfast gear. So soon as you're done, get along to the raft. Do we get to raft all day again, Chris asked. Nope, we're only two hours from Rocky Reach Campground. Then we head for home. Mr. Shu tried to sound delighted, but no one seemed eager to leave. Isn't anyone excited about going home? Not really, Willie said. I miss my dog, but I'd like to see Bonzo again. I don't want to go home, Maria thought. Not if I'm going to get in trouble for something. She pulled the wrinkled note out of her pocket and looked at it again. Hey, there's Bonzo, Chris yelled, jumping up. A black furry animal was climbing onto the shore. Jake grabbed Chris. Stop, he ordered. Everybody get to the raft now. That's a bear, and his mama will likely be right behind him. Let's go, Willie called as he pushed his wheelchair away from the table. Mr. Teller grabbed the handles and quickly pushed Willie's chair over the pebbles. Come on, Maria, Diddy yelled as she ran. Maria, Jenny called from the raft. Maria could hear the other kids calling her, but she didn't move. She watched the little bear as he shook the water off his shaggy coat. He was smaller than Bonzo. He didn't have a white bib, but he was kind of cute, and Maria turned. Something was in the bushes. She could just make out black fur. Maybe it's really Bonzo this time, she thought. I hope he doesn't scare this cute little teddy bear away. She took a step toward the cub. Abruptly, a larger bear bounded out of the bushes, making blowing sounds. She stopped and stared at Maria. Maria's heart pounded and her legs wouldn't move. She heard quick steps on the pebbles, but she just stared at the mother bear. Then deep from the chest of Mama Bear, a low growl rumbled. Her ugly yellow teeth gleamed in the sun. Her eyes were still fixed on Maria. Suddenly, with a loud roar, she lunged toward Maria. Maria spun around and raced toward the raft. She had taken only a few steps when she banged into Jeff, who was running toward her. He snatched her up and raced across the stones. She felt herself falling as Jeff tossed her into the raft. He gave it a mighty shove away from the shore and jumped in. Maria lay in a heap in the bottom of the raft, trembling all over. As the raft entered the swift current, the kids saw the baby bear standing up on their picnic table, licking up the last of the pancakes. The mother bear calmly rummaged in the storage box, looking for more food. Finally, Jake spoke in a quiet voice. Good thing that wasn't a grizzly bear. What about the big box? Dee Dee asked anxiously. You can't just leave your stuff. I have no real plans to be Mama Bear's breakfast, he answered. I'll get the gear later. Mr. Jake? Sammy looked puzzled. How did you know there'd be two bears? Well, the first one was so small, I figured it would have a mama and she'd be right behind him. And a mama bear is a mite mean if you get near her baby. Jeff guided the raft to a sandy beach downstream a ways. The kids climbed out of the raft to put on their wetsuits and life jackets. All but Maria. She seemed unable to move. Come on, Maria. Dee Dee held out her hand to help Maria from the raft. You've got to put on your wetsuit. Maria didn't move. Her eyes stared straight ahead. That bear, she paused, her eyes big. That bear wanted to attack me. A big tear rolled down her cheek and her hands shook. Oh, she had nothing against you, Jeff said, reaching in and lifting Maria from the raft. She just wanted to protect her baby. 
If you ever come that close to a bear again, Jake said as he joined them, be sure Jeff is there to grab you. What if he hadn't been there? Dee Dee asked as she zipped her wetsuit. What if we're alone? What do we do then? Well, first you could yell and throw things, Jake answered. The bear might get scared and go away. Tony would tell you that if nothing else works, curl up in a tight ball and play dead. Takes lots of courage, but it would protect your face and tummy. The kids shivered. And if that there bear thought you were dead, he added, then she'd know you wouldn't hurt her baby, so maybe she'd leave you alone. Now let's get going. Here are your helmets, everybody, Jeff said, handing them out. Now you're all ready for the last leg of this trip. Hop in. They were silent as their raft glided down the river through the forest. Finally, Jeff spoke softly. You know, black bears are really pretty nice. They don't like to attack people. Remember, that one only jumped at Maria. It didn't chase her. If it had been me, I would have climbed a tree, Chris mumbled. Jake chuckled. Why, a black bear can climb a tree so fast he can pass you up and be waiting for you when you get where you're planning on going. After that, they rode in silence again. Just as they floated around the last bend, Jake put his fingers in his mouth and gave a shrill whistle. It was answered by a deep woof, woof. Bonzo, Chris and Willie shouted almost at the same time. And there he was, wading out into the river to greet them, with a good-sized tree branch in his mouth. White bib, squished nose, and all. I had a hunch he'd be here. Hey, wait until we dock, Jake called, as Chris seemed about to climb out to meet Bonzo. Jeff guided the raft to the dock and tied it up. Okay, now you can get out. The kids danced around Bonzo, patting him and hugging him. Bonzo sat in the middle, tail wagging. His big tongue hung out, kissing everyone. Tony had been sitting at a picnic table reading a book. She laughed as she watched Bonzo and the kids. He wanted to come and say goodbye, she said to Mrs. Shue. So here we are. Thanks for bringing him, Mrs. Shue said. The kids will always remember him when they think of this trip. And Bonzo will be looking for these kids on every raft that passes. He hasn't had so much attention for a long time. As Mrs. Shue went to help load the van, Maria quietly sat down beside Tony. After a few minutes, Tony spoke softly. This has been quite a trip for you, Maria. Maria nodded, keeping her eyes on the table. The lump was back in her throat. I'm sorry I got upset with you before. Tony put her arm around Maria's shoulders and said, Don't worry, I understand, and I'm sure you'll get things worked out with your brother. Maria blinked fast to keep a tear from spilling over and running down her cheek. I have two brothers, Tony said. Even now, sometimes they do something that makes me so mad, but then they do something else that reminds me that they really love me, and I love them. Maria gave Tony a watery smile. Thanks, she managed to say. I guess I'd better go help carry stuff. heard today is a chapter of the shoebox kids book 11 rattlesnake river adventure written by sandy zog edited and created by jerry d thomas and used with permission from the pacific press publishing association if you're interested in any other books published by the seventh day adventist church please visit adventistbookcenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955 This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life to 
children come Please let the children come Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.